Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you for the musicians, those on the platform. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. I want to minister uh, for a few minutes from a passage of Scripture there. I uh, clipped out a little uh, quote uh, out of a magazine yesterday, a musical called A Musical Weapon, and it says, in the ongoing war against pirates off the Horn of Africa, British merchant navy captains have a new secret weapon. It's Britney Spears. (laughs) Loudspeakers blasting hits like, oops, I did it again, and baby one more time, have successfully warded off Somali pirates attempting to board cargo vessels traveling the Indian Ocean. Second officer Rachel Owens told the Mirror that the Western pop culture oozing from Spears singles is often enough to repulse the marauding marauding pirates. Her songs have been chosen by the security team accompanying our tankers because they thought the pirates would hate them the most. Well, that was an interesting little insight that uh, had there because... Uh, apparently, they uh, salt their culture that uh, most of Britney's songs are oozing with sex. So, uh, I want to read to you a passage of scripture in, uh, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5 because in this passage of scripture it refers to music. Music pay, plays a prominent part uh, in the world in which you and I live, uh, and uh, if not even a, a, a dominant part, and the historic uh, 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 arenas that music has been in, generally concerts and uh, symphony orchestras praying, uh, playing and, uh, and uh, uh, various kinds of uh, uh, venues, uh, uh, bars or pubs uh, or churches. Uh, uh, but uh, today, technology has elevated the, uh, the exposure uh, to almost every uh, area of life. When I was a teenager, uh, I uh, had a battery-operated portable radio. Now, this was a cat's meow in those days because this was something, this was the latest thing. I mean, this was a status symbol that you could carry around a radio uh, in your hand. It was battery-operated. I mean, this was the latest thing. And so I had one of those, and uh, and I carried this around as a status uh, symbol and and uh, But my, how time has moved today in the uh, electronic age and in communication. And uh, uh, it, actually, this demands our examination because uh, uh, music permeates every element of society. You, uh, you'll notice that uh, before Halloween is on, uh, when Thanksgiving is still in the way, it's uh, here comes Santa Claus. Yeah, you know, the, the, uh, Christmas carols are being played, setting the mood, and uh, 
Isn't it interesting how people get really religious? They uh, silent night, oh, you know, uh, about Christmas time, and I need to buy, 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 buy. So uh, I want to talk about music in the Bible for a minute uh, this morning. Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in uh, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another uh, in the fear of God. Do not be drunk with wine. So here's a very interesting uh, passage of Scripture, because in that, we are brought face to face with a uh, number of spiritual dimensions, but also in music, and so I want to talk to you for a few minutes about music in the Bible. And uh, first of all, touch on the historic role of music in the Bible. From the earliest recorded history of the Bible, we find that the Bible mentions this business of uh, uh, music, and there are individuals that are specially gifted in music. Uh, and in Genesis chapter 4, verse 21, the Bible says, His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and the flute. So it's very interesting that in the very earliest days of the Bible history, that here we find people who are especially gifted, and they're inclined to this business of music. And it's interesting that David, uh, this is a very prominent part of the record and the history of David, and, and uh, the Bible Let's just understand that David emphasized music, and uh, uh, I think it's 15 times that I counted in the Psalms uh, that the psalm is prefaced with this statement, this psalm is to the chief musician, it says that 15 times, uh, and it mentions stringed instruments, it mentions flutes, it mentions eight stringed harps, uh, and instruments of gath. So in the Psalms... Uh, we find that uh, many of the songs were written specifically to be accompanied by music, uh, and not only accompanied by music, but it, it begins to dis describe what musical instruments were going to be a part of that, uh, and it names those uh, in the Scriptures. So there's a solid Bible precedent for music. It's very interesting uh, because the psalms and the, and the hymns and spiritual songs uh, in our text, verse 19, talks about hymns and psalms uh, and spiritual songs. Uh, and let's just understand that this is an expression of the heart. So thinking about that, we, uh, we uh, obviously are looking at our text. Uh, and as we read the text, it obviously we're examining both a cappella, which is music that is given simply by the voice, and music that is accompanied by uh, various kinds of instruments. In Matthew 26 and verse 30, uh, it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and the disciples as they're gathered in the garden. It says, and when they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So 
Uh, it's obvious they weren't carrying amplifiers and guitars. That uh, they were there. This was a cappella because many of the hymns uh, were sung uh, in a hymn, uh, hymnal and in a, uh, in a cappella. When David was uh, king, and uh, the uh, the organization of of music, it says it's very interesting. He set courses, uh, and he put choirs in place. Uh, and they had a certain time that they are to sing. They had a certain point in the ceremony of worship that they were to perform. And First Chronicles 23 in verse 5 says, 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, uh, which I made, said David, for giving praise. Now the commentators say probably David himself may not have created uh, or made those instruments personally, but he, was in, he, he inspired the creating of instruments so that they would have musical instruments. And so looking at Christian history, uh, we find that Martin Luther and John and Charles Wesley, they majored in this business of, of, uh, of music. And Solomon uh, wrote over a thousand songs. And it was uh, uh, Charles Wesley that uh, they say wrote more than 9,000 uh, hymns and songs. And John Wesley, they say, wrote hundreds of songs, and so this is a prominent part of uh, church history, uh, and uh, it's very notable that we have some quotes uh, that give some understanding of how music was used uh, in the history of the church. One uh, author uh, makes an interesting statement. He says, "Music is God's gift to man. The only part of heaven given to earth, and the only part of earth." Uh, that we take to heaven. So that's a very interesting uh, quotation because talking about the, uh, the beautiful use and the wonderful uh, facet of man's personality, many are especially gifted. And uh, one uh, author makes an interesting quote. He says, The man that has no music in himself, uh, nor is not moved with concord of sweet sounds, uh, is fit for treasons, stratagems, and spoils. The motions of his heart are as dull as night, and his affections as dark as Erebus or the, the, the road to hell. Let no such man be trusted. Well, that was an interesting quote. He says that anybody has no appreciation for music, you need, you need, to, you need to look at that fellow because it, it, he may be on his way to hell if he has no appreciation. So uh, that's what the road to Erebus is all about. But be that as it may, uh, this is a prominent part of the world in which we live. And I uh, had an article recently that uh, uh, brought a little bit of understanding to my own thinking. And that article was in uh, World Magazine, I believe, which has some very interesting articles. Sometimes uh, it uh, talks about uh, uh, Christian faith and religious subject. And uh, it's called Broken Music. And uh, the article is noting the aberration in music, which has become very prominent uh, in the generation in which we live. And there's uh, uh, various uh, convictions through the years that, uh, that uh, people have had in religion. And one of these was Calvinists and, uh, and Zwinglians. Uh, these are both religious groups. These are men that had very strong influence. And both of these men, John Calvin and Zwingli, uh, considered music secular. In other words, they felt it had no part in uh, worship or church. Uh, and, uh, and actually... Uh, they banned uh, 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 strictly regulated any kind of music that's in a church. Uh, Zwingli was very musical himself. 
And uh, the history says, though he was an accomplished musician, he banned musical instruments in the church, and he encouraged the destruction of church organs. That was very interesting, that uh, he wanted no music in church, and if there's any church organ, he encouraged people to destroy them. And it's interesting that today uh, there are groups like the Church of Christ. They, uh, one segment of them are non-instrumental. So they have a conviction that there should not be any music in church, and, and uh, be that as it may. But in this uh, article, Broken Music, brought out something that is very interesting to me. And it emphasized that there is a spiritual dimension uh, here, and that's uh, commented on in this passage of Scripture. Uh, in the Scripture, it, it makes a connection with music and being filled with the Spirit. And uh, in uh, uh, one quote concerning this passage, there's a man, uh, Dr. G.B. Stevens of Yale, in his uh, 1898 thought translation of this passage, uh, he paraphrases, paraphrases Ephesians 5, 18 and 19 as follows. Do not seek the excitement of intoxication, but the joy which comes from the Spirit's indwelling, so that you may edify one another with devout songs of praise to Christ accompanied by the melody of the heart. That's a very interesting comment there, because actually what he's drawing out is there's a visual imagery that is portrayed in this scripture. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, draws an obvious picture. Because the contrast is, how many have ever been to a bar? I'm not giving an altar call. How many have ever been to a bar? Okay. So you always have to preface that because people get really nervous when you're asking them to raise their hands. You know, they think there's a catch to this, and we're going to spot them out, we're going to put them on the spot. But it's interesting uh, that uh, in bars and concerts and uh, in uh, fleshly uh, celebrations, uh, especially in the modern day, I remember we had uh, a music group some years past, uh, some of our musicians that play in the 180 or the underground or whatever we called it in those days, why uh, they went to a concert, and uh, this concert in Phoenix was a rock concert, a worldly concert, and so we popped the whole bunch. And the reason we popped them is those concerts aren't where Christians ought to be going, amen, because they're passing pot joints back and forth and pill popping and happy, uh, happy pills and so on. So isn't it interesting that in this passage of Scripture, he draws that, uh, that, uh, uh, that uh, uh, imagery uh, and says, that's not what, uh, that's not what the gospel's all about. But there is a glorious, uh, exhilarating dimension, and that's a dimension of the Spirit of God. And he's obviously talking about being in church service here as he brings that, because there is a spiritual dimension to music. I was talking to Angel uh, Morales, and so uh, he made a statement. He said, drugs and music are partners. I said, well, yeah, in some cases that's true. And he said, before I was saved... Uh, I was into heavy metal music, and he said, one thing that happened in that heavy metal music, it fueled my rage. I said, wow, I never have heard that before. When I was into heavy metal music, it fueled my rage. 
So now we're talking about something that's in a spiritual dimension, and uh, this is also true in the in the generation in which we live. And a companion article of this was the contemporary uh, Christian music, which has become very, very popular today. One author says, Christian radio today has reverted to its non-offensive stance, which means not only that a lack of swearing, but also staying away from theological truths that could offend the wide variety of Christians who fill their coffers. And so this is a very insightful article. And this article is commenting, and I just bring a couple of quotes to it. What's happened is that there has been a, a uh, sea change in music. And that sea change in music has affected the Christian world. And uh, what has begun to take place is what they call crossover artists, which are trying to engage a unregenerate audience, hold their attention, sell records, but still be Christians and still hold their attention. And this is taking place in a wide dimension today. And I've got a couple of three quotes pertaining to that. Listen to this. At the same time, major secular corporations like Capitol Records bought out Christian labels Shifting the focus from missions to profits. So what does he say? He said, now, what's happening now to many of the Christian musicians and the records as the secular world has bought out these labels. Now the musicians, they're insisting that now, rather than missions, they say, or the message is actually what they say, then their, uh, uh, their focus is not on the message or the mission, it's on profits. And so that has brought a sea change in the music world in which we live because it appeals to unregenerate souls. So uh, in this one of these articles, uh, it makes an interesting comment, and what's happened is that tonality has been lost in much of music. Now music has a, a, certain, uh, a certain framework, uh, tonality, it has a certain tone, it has symph- symphony, it has progression, it has uh, rhythm. All of this is involved, but that's been lost today in much of music that's being uh, sung. I began to recognize this, but uh, I don't understand what this is. It, this bugs me. How many, how many of you ever had anything bug you? You said, this bugs me. You don't know why it bugs you. Well, this is why. I was in a, in a conference recently. And in that conference, uh, one of the weaknesses of our fellowship is we have no common book of songs. It's a do-it-yourself. Everybody does his own thing. And so I preach in these churches. I've never heard the song before. I'll never hear it again. And I, I can't sing it anyway. And so I just ignore what they're doing, bide my time till I can preach. So in this church was the oddest thing that was over the top of what uh, had been bugging me, it's like they're, they're, uh, they're rhythmically shouting or uh, th- these words, like it's almost like they're, it's anger, like they're uh, doing it. And I'm listening to this, I said, dear God, that's not music. And so what was bringing that is what I'm talking about this morning, is that tonality has been lost. And this is documented by uh, those who deal with it uh, And this article says tonality 
was sacrificed for audience, for audience. Harmony and rhythm was warped to conform to an audience, uh, and this crossover music is what that's all about. Uh, and uh, what this literally is, is religious noise disguised as music. If you want to understand something, write that down somewhere, because this is what's happened in the world of music. Religious noise disguised as music. Now this article uh, goes on to several different uh, things of how this was lost and so on. But uh, the business of melody, the business of a pleasing sound and a rhythm that people could easily sing without working at it uh, uh, has been lost. And listen to this quote. It says, the main thing about music is relationship. Melody consists not in individual notes, but in the intervals between them. The, these mat mathematical ratios produce a pleasing musical progression known the world over based on this ex external framework. Western music established principles of harmony and melody that endured all the way up until the early 20th century. And what happened then? There's been a sea change in the music world and listen to this. It says, not all avant-garde composers abandoned tonality, but music cut off from its definitive structure ceased to be anything we would recognize as music. And then another quote says, contemporary composers, John Adams put it this way, I learned in college that tonality died somewhere around the time that Nietzsche's God died, and I believed it. No God, no order, musical structure collapsed. In other words, what he's saying is that the disharmony that came into music began to fit the spirit of the age, and this is what transpired when it said what happened, this is what happened. So let's go back now to our text for a moment. Because what we have is the power of music. The power of music is a spiritual power. It also has uh, emotional dimensions. And it has uh, important elements that we need to recognize. The Bible reveals that Satan is involved in music. And in the scripture tells us a very interesting uh, statement. Ezekiel 28 and verse 13 talks about Lucifer. And it says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The uh, sardius, the topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, and turquoise, uh, and emerald with gold. Uh, the workmanship of your timbrels, that's musical instruments, and pipes uh, was prepared for you on the day that you were created. Now, commentators say that this is the very essence of Lucifer's being that he was a musical uh, creature. Not only was the beauty, like compared to flashing precious gems, uh, but also as a part of his personality uh, was built into, and the embodiment of music was built into him. And so you have uh, that uh, dimension uh, that is involved. Uh, on our tour to the two Holy Lands, uh, we had uh, a testimony. Dennis Halverson gave a very, very interesting testimony. And if I call, recall correctly, he said, I was about 10 years old, 
And my brother and I were uh, on twin beds, and he said, I was uh, uh, laying on this twin bed, and my brother reached over and poked this, uh, uh, this thing in my ear, and what it was was the Beatles playing. And he says, when I, yeah, 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 what he said, a spirit came into me. And from that moment, I was off in la-la land. From that moment, a spiritual dimension. And I want to tell you, the Beatles did have a spiritual dimension. I, many years ago on Roof Street, I preached something like this. And there was some guy in there. He got enraged at me because I didn't like the Beatles. And so uh, I didn't like the Beatles. I didn't like Elvis Presley. I didn't like a lot of other people. Amen. So just Relax. I'm making a point, and that point is that music has a spiritual dimension. And Dennis related that when he said he was never the same. That triggered something in him, and he was off into rebellion, uh, drugs, uh, and so on and so forth before the Lord Jesus Christ got a hold of him. And that's a very important dimension. So think about now what Angel said. When I was into heavy metal... He said, when I listened to heavy metal, it fueled my rage. So now we're talking about a spiritual dimension that's very important that we understand. And we have biblical examples. It was Saul who, because of his rebellion against God, God allowed a depressing spirit to begin to torment Saul. And the Bible says he called for some help, and it was David who would come, First Samuel chapter 16, verse 23. And so it was that whenever the Spirit was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play, with his, play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Now, isn't that an interesting uh, scripture? That here we find that here is a spiritual dimension because this is, the Bible says very clearly, this spirit would begin to torment Saul. Or in other words, uh, here now is a dimension and uh, through David playing music, and undoubtedly David was a godly man, and through him playing music, uh, there's a transmission of a spiritual dimension uh, that would calm Saul uh, and allow him to function. And so now let's bring this down to a Christian distinction because there's power in music. Obviously, as we read this text, we're reading a practice that the Apostle Paul is giving for a congregational. Uh, this is a congregational text because he says one another two times, and this is in the company of other believers. So what he's talking about, obviously, is a gathering together uh, believers, uh, and as a part of that, music uh, has become a, a prominent part of that. And he's using this as an instruction. Don't go out and get stoned out of your gourd with hooch. Uh, there's a glorious way to be exhilarated in life, and that's to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and uh, that being filled, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms uh, and spiritual song, making melody uh, in your hearts uh, to the Lord. And so we have a biblical history, and this is prominent. It was Elijah that the Bible tells us that he called for a musical instrument. And as he called for that musical instrument, this began to stir a spiritual dimension in him that triggered him to prophesy. So here we have a spiritual dimension that's very clear, and this is the admonition that we have, and the danger that we have today is worship 
that's defined by entertainment. As in my morning Bible study, all of you who did Sunday school and lay up in the sheets, you missed out a great Sunday school this morning. And so if I could blow my own horn, you need to come. And you'll find out what I was talking about. Much of the Christian world has been, uh, has been tuned to entertainment. And they call it worship, but it's not worship. It is entertainment. Uh, talented musician performing on a stage has been, uh, has been defined as entertainment in much of the Christian world today. But I want to tell you that uh, it, there's nothing wrong with Christian music. There's nothing wrong with singing song. But much of the Christian world are into entertainment, and that has defined the direction that the Christian world is going. And Ezekiel prophesied a prophecy that fits this. He says in Ezekiel thirty-three, thirty-two, indeed, your to them is a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear your words, but they do not do them. And when this comes to pass, surely it will come. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them so here we find uh, much of the Christian world that we live in is people performing on a stage, uh, people having a religious feeling. And because they're having that religious feeling, they have the idea that they have worshipped God. You have not worshipped God until you've obeyed the sermon that's preached. When you obey God's truth as it's declared, then worship is complete. Until then, you just feel good. May I say to you this morning that you're not in a church that our aim is to make you feel good. My aim is to make you feel bad until you do right, and then you'll feel good. It's called repentance. Amen. So let's define music for a moment. Uh, One author said, music has power to tame the savage breast. So this uh, this is very... A uh, very interesting statement, and uh, I think it was John Wesley that the statements made about John Wesley. It said he won more souls by his music than he ever did by his preaching. They're very, very, very interesting quote. But uh, we need to bring this to a, a bottom line and analyze this for a moment because uh, uh, worship this morning is obedience to God. Following the preaching of God's word. And this is why the scripture relates submitting to one another in the fear of God. Music prepares the heart to receive the word of God. Music is a glorious dimension. Music is a wonderful thing. Music has aided the church. Music has blessed the church. And we believe in music. We use music as an outreach tool, as an outreach ministry. And it prepares the heart to receive God's word. Having said that, I want to say it's very important what kind of music you listen to. I have no doubt that we have people sitting in this audience, your entire personality has been shaped by the music that you listen to. One of the great, great outreach celebrations that we do sometime in the, in the underground is to have a bonfire and uh, people who've been saved burn their demonic albums and tapes and records and so on because there is a spirit to music. That spirit has the power to, as Angel said, uh, fuel your rage 
or as Dennis Halverson said, to shape your whole life in another direction, or it has the power to begin to open you up to uh, the grace and the blessing uh, and the favor of God. And it's important what performers you listen to. It's important uh, if you're a musician, what you embrace and what you sing. Very crucial. And music can be addictive. It can stir your emotions. It can give impetus to a wrong spirit. It can shape your entire personality. It can lay hold of a person in a, uh, in a uh, moment of discouragement or in a weak moment. It can give an impetus because, remember, music is spiritual. There is a spirit uh, that is involved uh, in music, uh, and uh, we thank God that we have historically folks who have written hymns. Often in my life, we, when I was saved, we sang from hymns. Uh, and often in my life, I'll be preparing a sermon, and the words of, of, of an old hymn will come floating back to me that, uh, that I, reminds me of the wonderful power that those hem, uh, hymns had. I have stated before that one of the most uh, time-enduring and one of the most powerful hymns ever written that holds its power is Amazing Grace. Is amazing grace. Often when I do crusades, they say, what do you want to give on the altar? I say, give me amazing grace. Everybody knows what that is. Uh, and you can't miss when you sing amazing grace because it's an enduring hymn. It's written out of the heart of a man who was gloriously saved by the power of God out of a, a horrible, filthy life of debauchery. Uh, and as he wrote that, uh, he wrote that uh, to give a testimony of the glorious power of Jesus Christ to save the soul. I want every head bowed for a moment as I begin to draw this service to conclusion. Music in the Bible. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.